0: So let me just get uh, my stuff situated here. Hallelujah. Well, there we go. All, All right. Well, so um, before I get too deep into what I have for you this morning, I, I thought you would want to see this. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. And, the, and, and and you'd want to see that, uh, of course. And everybody everybody wants to see that. So um, well, if everybody doesn't want to see it, I know at least one of us did. So uh, those, those are those are some pictures of, of, of my latest seventh grandchild, uh, uh. Uh, Cal and he wishes he could be here with you to say hi this morning, but uh, uh, but but that's the best best he could do. So anyway, two weeks ago we began our new study uh, called uh, "Danger Strong Currents," and with that we began, I hope, memorizing together Romans thirteen eleven. So I'm going to ask you, as you're able, to stand with me, please, in honor of the Word of God, and just to get us focused and moving this morning, let's read together Romans thirteen eleven and twelve. We've been reading this every week want to read it again this morning. And if you've not memorized it, I really want to encourage you to, to work on that this week if you can. Romans 13 verses 11 and 12 this is what the Bible says. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. Well done, by the way. Well done. So, so far in this series, we focused to some degree on the call to wake up and understand this present time, recognizing and comprehending the Kairos moment in which we find ourselves so we can better navigate and better address both the challenges and the opportunities of our day. In the first week, I listed half a dozen or so major crises raging in our culture right now. Things like a burgeoning mental health crisis accompanied by a staggering rise in what are known as deaths of despair. There's a crisis of trust and a crisis of defamation in which people today seem very, very comfortable trashing the good names and the reputations of others. Last week, I began to look at some of the crucial commitments you need in order to manage these crises well. Uh, Things like embracing the reality that your time here really is short, and that one day soon, one way or another, you're going to be called to stand before the Lord and give an accounting of your life. Things like recognizing the incredible need to focus more on God than on the chaos and the crises swirling around us. Last week, I also shared five practical, stunningly biblical tips from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association. Tips like your need for community, swim with a buddy. Your need for pastors and elders, swim near a lifeguard. If you missed either of those messages, I encourage you to check them out on our church app, our church website, or our YouTube page. And you can check out the outlines of those sermons always on our Resurrection Church app as well. So today I want to look just for a moment at some of the major currents, really two of the major currents roiling the waters right now, currents that have the power to really mess people up. And to be honest with you, This has the potential to be the the one message in the series most likely to upset a few of you. Uh, Next week is the one most likely to upset uh, everyone else. So uh, I try to pack those in uh, 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 back to back as much as possible. Uh, The first and perhaps the ultimate uh, current I want to address is the massive proliferation of currents in our day. In every age there have been dangerous or misleading trends, ideas, or currents that have created problems and challenges. In the ancient Greco-Roman world, mercy was considered a mental illness. The notion that disease is resident in the blood led to years and years of the disastrous practice of treating the ill by bleeding them. And this nation continues to suffer from the legacy of the undercurrent of racism, and its ugly stepsister, race-based slavery. Every age has faced dangerous currents, but never before have they had the capacity they have today to explode virtually overnight. The advent of the information and media age with the eruption of new technologies that placed that media and information instantly in the palm of your hand, coupled with technologies that immediately drive right to you, ideas you're predisposed to agree with, means unless you are seriously vigilant, listen, unless you are seriously, seriously vigilant, you are a sitting duck to be manipulated and carried away. It's like those ocean currents we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. They tend to move powerfully just below the surface and move you way, way, way down the beach without you ever even recognizing it. And sometimes, in some cases, just sweep you dangerously far out to sea before you have time to react. The prophet Daniel was told by the Lord to seal up the words of his prophecy until the time of the end a time in which the Bible says many will go here and there to increase knowledge. A more literal translation of the last part of that verse, the one used in the NLT, the ESV, the KJV, the NASB, the HSCB, and a whole lot more, is that knowledge will increase. In other words, in the time of the end, as we draw closer and closer to the return of Christ, the time when our salvation is nearer now, than when we first believed, the time when the night is nearly over and the day is almost here, in that particular time, Daniel says, knowledge will increase. And man, oh man, if that doesn't pretty much sum up the day in which you live. In the mid-1990s, a mid-sized Buick carried more raw computing power than the first lunar landing module. Those who measure such things tell us that today human knowledge doubles roughly every year. And with increases in computing power and artificial intelligence, we'll soon be doubling, listen to this, all human knowledge doubling it every 12 hours. To put that in perspective, it took roughly 1,500 years from AD 1 to roughly AD 1,500 for human knowledge to double. The next doubling took roughly 250 years to somewhere around 1750 for human knowledge to double again. And now we're talking about one day soon, all of human knowledge doubling every 12 hours. But as I mentioned two weeks ago, with more and more information come more and more competing ideas, competing explanations, and competing authorities. My daughter, Emma, who did the announcements a minute ago, is taking a psychology class right now at a secular college. And her very first assignment introduced her to more than a half dozen competing branches of psychology, each one explaining human behavior in a different way from a different perspective, and not one of them, even remotely considering God or the design of God or the plan of God or the activity of God as a factor in human behavior. All this information, all these competing points of view are simply overwhelming. Floyd McClung is a prominent voice in worldwide missions, and years ago he introduced me to the phrase option fatigue. He was writing about the challenges U.S. missionaries often often encounter when they come back to the states from serving overseas for any period of time. He noted it was often very, very difficult to transition back into life in America. And one of the biggest problems he noted is what he called option fatigue. Simply understood, option fatigue is the weariness that comes over your soul when you're overwhelmed by choices. And he used the grocery store as a classic example. In many places in the world, you go to the grocery store and get what you can get. In America... You can choose from over 115 brands of dog food and over 2,200 formulas across those 115 brands. In many countries, you go and you buy toothpaste. In America, you have to decide, paste or gel, whitening or non, fluoride or no. Mint flavor or regular baking soda added, breath freshening, small tube, large tube, in-between tube, or would you prefer the little canister that sits on the side of the sink and you push down with your finger? And while all that may seem trivial to you, the truth is all those choices wear on a person over time. Have you ever been at the end of the day and someone said, hey, what do you want to do about dinner? And your response was, you decide I don't want to make any more decisions today. Now, what do you imagine happens when all that choosing moves from things like toothpaste, dog food, and dinner to foundational matters of truth and morality? What happens when the waves begin pounding you with a speed and a power you have never experienced before and everyone that comes pounding in challenges some fundamental thing you have believed or been taught all your life? You live in a culture in utter chaos, a culture just struggling to completely redefine itself, a culture that has completely lost its bearings and long ago lost its sense of moderation. New waves and new currents are coming faster and stronger than ever before, and before you can get your footing, sometimes even before you can catch your breath, another one is right on top of you. They're coming with such pace and such power that you cannot think through them carefully and you cannot pray through them well. And that is an enormous problem. The wisest man who ever lived once wrote, the first to present his case seems right till another comes forward and questions him. Hold on, I'm not good at using a handheld microphone. There we go. Solomon's point was simple. Many wrong things may seem right at first. So to get to the bottom of a thing, you need to be able to take time to dig and think and question and pray. But the speed and force with which these currents are coming today has made careful, honest consideration, careful biblical consideration very rare. There's just so little time to think. Before you can process one current, the next current has taken center stage. Let me give you an example. Most Christians were still trying to talk through their concerns about gay marriage when the culture simply moved on to transgender rights. And while you were still thinking your way and talking your way through bathroom laws, your children started being asked which pronouns they prefer. And suddenly, before you knew what was happening, you were in danger of losing your job if you refer, refused to refer to a coworker by the pronoun Xem. It's all happening so fast. And I find very few people asking what it all means for the underlying fabric of society. But I want to assure you, when overnight, words stop meaning what they have always meant before, words like marriage or male, or female. When overnight someone can make up words and then demand that you begin to use them, there is no longer such a thing as a common language, which is the fundamental building block of any culture. Now, some people will no doubt be appalled by these comments, insisting that it's simply cruel and abusive not to allow gender dysphobic people, dysphoric people, to decide for themselves how they should be addressed. And others will applaud these comments and demand we immediately outlaw all use of non-gender conforming language. Followers of Jesus can and must do better. We must commit to think and pray, not just to react. We need to consider the very real pain of what it means to genuinely feel like, deep down on the inside, that you were born in the wrong body while steadfastly resisting any bad policy that would tear at the foundations of civilization. We can sympathize with the gender dysphoric without pretending it's not a dysfunction. We can love and care for the gender dysphoric without giving in to their confusion or redefining reality. The speed with which these currents keep hitting and moving on to the next one and hitting and moving on to the next one makes it harder than ever to think and pray. But it's worth remembering, the first to present his case seems right till another comes forward and questions him. At the end of the day, more than Tucker Carlson or Tony Campolo or Jim Wallace or Franklin Graham, it's what Jesus and the Bible have to say that matters. So the first current I want to address is the massive uptick in currents, the simple fact that they're coming swifter and more powerfully than ever before. The second current is closely tied to it. One of the fundamental dangers of strong currents is that they tend to drag you along with them, to take you and pull you where they want you to go. And that danger is greatly exacerbated today by the push to politicize everything. To treat everything like it's a political issue and to assume it should therefore have a political answer. This current is fundamentally a worldview problem because the truth of the matter is everything is not political. Some stuff just happens. Some stuff is just sin. Some stuff is just right. Politics, however, is about the exercise of power in order to get your way. The calculated use of systems to maintain or increase power. When Marxism burst on the scene, it redefined human history, and frankly all of life in that matter, as a power struggle between two different classes of people, essentially the oppressed and the oppressors. To Marx, all of life was political. One great power struggle for control of the resources of society. When the wrong guys were in control, the solution was political revolution. Get the wrong people out, move the right people in. And so many of the powerful currents of our day in this nation, are absolutely tied to and beholden to that particular worldview. And surprisingly, so very many Christians have been swept up and possibly swept away in it as well, even while decrying it. Here's the truth. The disorientation that comes from being hit by wave after wave after wave is real that disorientation is powerful and powerful forces in the media and in politics are working every single day to use that disorientation to manipulate and control you they are using it to make you afraid they are using it to make you angry so you will do what they want you to do. Getting sucked into that swirl of political currents, getting caught up in the partisan frenzies they're designed to create, is, in my humble opinion, the number one reason today the church is losing its saltiness. Too many Christians are no longer thinking like Christians. They're thinking like social justice warriors, or they're thinking like anti-social justice warriors. They're thinking like liberals, or they're thinking like conservatives, when they should be thinking like Christ followers. They've forgotten the battle belongs to the Lord and and instead assumed it belongs to the Congress. Instead of being the salt of the earth, they taste exactly like the world. Whichever flavor of the world they happen to be wrapped up in at the moment. Now, the truth is, the draw to get sucked into this is almost overwhelming. You need to wake up. It's time to wake up from your slumber and recognize what's happening so you can resist it. You must be more informed by the Bible than you are by cable news. You must be more moved by love of God and love of people than you are by fear or anger at the current crisis. You must work diligently to guard your heart To keep your focus on the Lord because powerful forces are working diligently to draw your heart away. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. It's one of the first verses I have all my microgroups memorized. We start working. Above all else, with all diligence, with everything you have you need to guard your heart. You need to keep it focused on Christ and the purposes of Christ and not let it get sucked into some swirling current that will pull it away. You need to guard your heart because your entire life flows out of it. For some time now, I've been praying the apostolic prayers over my family and over you uh, almost every single day for a long time for weeks and weeks now I've been specifically praying Colossians 1 verses 9 through 14 it's a prayer that I pray almost every day over myself over my family over you and I start the prayer this way oh Lord my God oh Lord God in the name of Jesus I pray that you would fill them with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding that's how it begins Lord, fill them with the knowledge of your will. Fill them with the knowledge of your will. I pray they be filled with the knowledge of your will. I pray that they would know your will. I pray that they would love your will. I pray that they would pursue your will. I pray that they would dedicate their lives to doing your will. I pray they wouldn't merely know your will, but they would be filled with the knowledge of your will. I pray that the knowledge of your will would so fill them that no other will has room inside them. I pray that they would have it in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I thank you for natural wisdom and understanding, but I pray for spiritual wisdom and understanding. I pray for wisdom beyond the talking heads, wisdom beyond the experts, wisdom that comes from God alone. I pray that you'll know his will and love his will and give yourself to fulfilling his will. I pray that you will not confuse your will for his will. I pray that you will not confuse these currents for his will no matter how popular or powerful they are. I pray that you will not confuse political agendas for his will. I pray that God will keep you free from the pull and from the distraction of these currents so that you will give yourself fully to the will of God. It takes me 30 to 45 minutes to pray those six verses over you because I just... But I pray that. I pray, and I pray that largely because I understand this. I can't make you care about the will of God. I can't make you love the will of God. I can't make you know the will of God. I, I, I can't make you pursue the will of God. I can't harass you enough into it. I can't nag you into it. But I can pray for you. And so I pray for you. And look to see what God might do. Now listen, I've taught you from this pulpit that politics really matters. And I believe politics really matter. We, we've got uh, this morning out in the lobby um, sample ballots and, and a voter guide from, uh, who is this from? A voter guide from the North Carolina Family uh, uh, Council uh, um, who has done some research for you. I think voting matters. Politics matter. Who's in power? Make, they make decisions that make your life better or worse that, that, that can help or hinder the spread of the gospel. Politics matters. It just doesn't matter as much as the currents keep telling you it does. Listen, if you're a follower of Christ, politics does not matter as much as the quality of your witness. Politics does not matter as much as your pursuit of Christ-likeness. Politics does not matter as much as your closeness with the Father. Politics does not matter as much as the vitality of your prayer life. Politics does not matter as much as the advance of the gospel. Politics does not matter as much as the proclamation of the word of God. How are you doing in all those things? And are you spending more time thinking about, reading about, praying about politics? Or your own Christ-likeness? The vitality of your prayer life, your knowledge of the word of God. Because the bottom line is the ultimate solutions to the problem of this world will not come through politics. They will come through a manifestation of the kingdom of God, and the eventual return of Jesus the King. So, if you find yourself thinking more about politics and political issues than about your own holiness and faithfulness to God, if you spend more time praying about politics and political outcomes than about the purity and power of your walk with Christ, you have been carried off by this current. You have been swept downstream. You need to recognize it. you need to wake up and you need to make your way back up the beach. I beg you in the name of Jesus. As we carry on with this series for the next couple of weeks, read Romans 12 and 13. Read Romans 12 and 13. Read it today. Read it tomorrow. Read it the next day. Read Romans 12 and 13 over and over and over again. Please memorize Romans 13:11. And then go ahead and memorize Romans 13:12. Do this, the Apostle Paul says. Do this. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Stop thinking and acting like everyone else. Live a life of genuine love. Read Romans 12 and 13. Do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. You need to understand the present time so you can live differently from the present time. And the best way not to get swept up in the currents that keep coming and coming, and coming, and coming. The best way not to get swept up in the currents is to make sure you are swept up in God. That nothing matters more to you than God. That you are thinking about nothing more than God and the will and the purposes of God. Therefore, my dear brothers, Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let's pray. Father, as always, I thank you for the power and the clarity of your word, your word that uh, tells us the truth or your word that calls us Uh, Not just to listen to the first voice we hear, uh, but to pray and to think through things carefully. Your word that calls us to guard our heart with all diligence, to guard our heart above all else, to be very careful what we let have a place in there because our life will flow out from it. Father, we thank you for the power of your word that shows us how to walk in this broken, fallen, sometimes scary world. Lord, there's not a person in this room who has not felt the the effect of the pounding surf and the roiling currents. Lord, in in the history of the world, I do not believe currents have ever come like they're coming right now. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. As the psalmist said this morning, as we we read together this morning, lead us in your righteousness. Lead us, O Lord, in your righteousness. Forgive us for allowing other people to lead us. Forgive us for allowing the media to lead us. Forgive us for allowing paid professional manipulators to lead us. Lord, lead us in your righteousness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.